Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. Grant them eternal rest, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Today is November 11th, 11-11, known if you're in the Commonwealth as Armistice Day. In fact, I was privileged enough to have a poppy given to me by a Brit this past week, which I wore in my lapel until I lost it. But uh, it was Remembrance Day, Armistice Day is the day 100 years ago today on 11-11 at 11 a.m., when the armistice was signed, ending the Great War. And I think it's fitting for you to consider something important, that it will be 100 years ago to the second that that was signed in our past, and yet here we find ourselves appropriately in church, praying to God for those who died in that war. Indeed, praying for all the faithful departed, which we are here to remember today, and whose names will be read later on in our Mass. But here's a question for you today, and it's an important one, and I want to challenge you to think about it with me. Um, why do we pray for the dead at all? It's actually a very good question, and in fact, uh, the Reformation <laughs> was largely launched over this very question. And let me just, before I dive into this, just make an important point of what we are not doing. What we are not doing today is praying people into heaven. People are saved or not. It's their choice. It's your choice and my choice. We are saved by accepting or rejecting the free gift of Jesus Christ by his grace, which means you don't deserve it and you don't earn it, but he offers it to you and to me and to all humanity, the price he pays to die on the cross, to pay for the sins of all humanity, to pay for yours and for mine and for all those whom we remember today. And the choice, frankly, is yours, to accept that gift, God's grace, or to reject it. As they say, the existential ball is in your court and in mine, that his free and undeserved gift that Jesus offers to every one of us pays our way into heaven. You do not, friends, pray someone across the line. Which, of course, begs the obvious question, then what in the world are we doing here in the first place? Why do we pray for the dead at all? What are we here to pray about? Well, the bigger question, actually, and it'll be obvious when I make this point, why do we pray for anyone at all? See, a petitionary prayer, which is prayer when you ask God for something. Prayer comes in all different forms. Praise, like today with the choir. Petition, God please help me or do something. All sorts of things. Adoration, all sorts of things. But petitionary prayer, whether it's for the living or the dead, for you or for someone who died in the psalm 120 years ago, all prayer has something at its root, all petitionary prayer, and that something at its root is this. <laughs> God, I can't control this. All petitionary prayer, for the living or the dead, it says at its root, God, I cannot do this, and I'm turning it over to you. 
And the reason I say that is that most of life is, well, beyond what we can really do in the first place. How many of you woke up this morning and put the breath into your own lungs? None of you. How many of you woke up this morning and uh, arrived here safely purely by your own will? None of you. Friends, life is, as Thomas Hobbes said, nasty, brutish, and short. (laughs) And so we are here today to be reminded that we are to turn all things over to him. And we worry and we stress and we cause ourselves so much frustration because we assume way more control over the world than we actually have. Way more responsibility for the things of this world that we can actually do. Prayer, for the living or for the dead, is an admission of something very profound and very powerful and very empowering, frankly, that you are not in control, but that God is. To quote our psalm this morning, which we read, Psalm 121, listen to it again, it's right there. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and the maker of earth. My hope comes from the one who is in control. He's made all things. He runs the show. And we remember those who have died, friends, because we love them. And quite frankly, Their lives are no longer within our control. And we commend to Almighty God to save them, to grant them rest. Today is called a requiem. And it's from the first two words of our Mass today. Requiem eternam. Grant them rest, eternal rest, O Lord. It's a petition. God grant them rest, which is why a requiem, which is essentially a funeral mass for those who have gone before, it's so important. It admits the shortness of our own life. It admits the transience of this life. It admits that fundamentally, most things in this life are beyond our control. But the key is that then we then turn around and place those very same people, places, and things that we cannot control into the hands of a God who can. See, for Christians, death is not the end. It's not the end. Jesus tells us in John's gospel um, that when he returns, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins and for mine. He is is resurrected. He gets a new physical body in some form. He ascends back into heaven where he is right now in a physical sense. And he tells us in John's gospel that when he returns, the dead shall be resurrected, reformed, reconstituted with new bodies, physical bodies. Anybody who thinks heaven is floating on a cloud playing a harp doesn't know their Bible. (laughs) Heaven is physical, friends. It will be. And Jesus says that when he returns, the dead, your friends, your parents, maybe your children, the ones that you have lost, the ones that you have commended to Almighty God. According to Jesus, the dead will be resurrected, and those who have relied upon him to save them, he will. And those who have said to God, hey, thanks but no thanks, 
He lets them go. And when they would be with God, those who are saved by Jesus, in a new reconstituted physical heaven, a reconstituted Eden. And those who walk away, God will honor their terrifying wish. You will notice, um, you, you were handed two bulletins today. One is the order of service. The other one is this. It is called a necrology, which is a listing of the dead. And you will notice, we're going to get to this after the, op, um, after the announcements. I'll explain that in a moment. Um, you will notice on that form in there a man by the name of Fred Ramin. Fred Ramin is my maternal grandfather. Fred Ramin was an old Navy man. He was an oil guy, fought in World War II. When I was a boy, I used to visit him with my brother and my cousins in Pensacola Beach, and my grandfather was 26 feet tall and had hands the size of bear claws. Um, he was a very, very influential man on me, and actually, in kind of in hindsight, I first, my first love for Florida was visiting him, which is one of the reasons I'm here today. But Fred Vermeen, my grandfather, who was not a terribly religious man, um, I was in seminary, gosh, 18 years ago, visiting him in Pensacola, and uh, we sat down after dinner at my mom's house, had a cocktail, and he said to me, so you're a pretty religious guy. I said, well, I'm in seminary, so I guess in some sense, yes. <laughs> um, my grandmother, Virginia, who was a, just a wonderful woman, Thornton, her name from Virginia, but anyway, for my, her, my grandmother, Virginia, had died three years earlier, and so Fred Ramin, this old Navy salt, said to me, you're a pretty religious guy, right? I said, well, yeah, I guess, in some sense of the word. He said, do you ever think I'll see Virginia again? I said, well, Grandpa, I said, uh, Jesus tells us that when he returns, the dead will be resurrected with real physical bodies, and that we will live with him in a new reconstituted Eden, and if you believe in that, if you trust him, if you believe what he says, then the answer to your question is yes, that we, you, if you trust in him, and will be resurrected with her. And he looked at me, and he said, cover your kids' ears, he said, uh, well, that sure is damn hard to believe. That's a quote. I said, Grandpa, yeah, maybe it is damn hard to believe. I'll admit that. But let me ask you a question, all right? He sa I said, uh, does Jesus lie? And he went, what? I said, no, answer the question. I said, does Jesus lie? And he looked at me and he said, well, no. I said, well, if he doesn't lie, then you've got to believe what he tells you, right? He said, of course. I said, even if it is damned hard to believe, right? He said, yes. And he believed, and he said, well then, I guess I'm going to have to believe. And I said, yes, you will. And he did. The part of the story I don't usually tell, if you've heard that before, is that the next morning, my wife Kathy and I got on a plane, flew back to Pittsburgh, where it was cold and rainy, as memory serves, and we got into the house where I lived in seminary, and there was a blinking light on the answering machine. We didn't have cell phones, or maybe I didn't, I don't know, whatever. But got home, there's a blinking light on the, cell, on the machine next morning, um, Answer the phone. Mom, my mom says, hey, give me a call. Something tragic's happened. So I call my mom up, and she said to me as follows. She said, you left this morning. You flew out. Your grandfather, Fred, went out to the driveway to pick up the newspaper. He leaned over. He's a stubborn old goat. 
He leaned over, picked up the newspaper, fell, hit his head, bled out. Next day, right after he had received the Lord. The irony, of course, is a week later, I was preaching at his funeral sermon, and I said to his friends who were all gathered around, I said, friends, I said, you all know Fred. If Jesus Christ can save Fred Vermeen, he can save anybody. <laughs> but that's the key, right? A requiem, friends, the chance for all of us to think about our lives, to consider how short it is, to th- Consider that things can change on a dime like they did for Fred. And to thank God for the people he's placed in our lives, which we did not put there, but he did. And to look back on the Christian hope that you see through these people's lives. Because the Christian hope is this, that we look forward. As Paul says, we press on because we wait for Jesus' return when those who we love will be with us again. When we will live in a new Restored Eden with Jesus Christ at its center, where Jesus' promise to us will be fulfilled for all that we hope and for all that we wait. In the meanwhile, may they rest in peace and may they rise in glory. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.